holy cow, there are a ton of really good books. Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're toppling your TBRs with our most anticipated book releases of the spring and pairing those with backlist titles that are easier to get from the library or find in paperback. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. Guess what? What? <laughs> we got a really nice review <laughs> on on Apple Podcasts. I want to read it to you. Okay. Because it made me feel so good. This is from M. Silk Wolf, and the title is Highlight of My Week. Oh. <laughs> They say, I've been searching for years for a podcast like this, and Chelsea and Sarah have done it. Listening to the new episodes are the highlight of my week, and I always get excited once Tuesday rolls around. They have mastered the mix of academic yet approachable English teacher book lover tone that is so (laughs) hard to master. As an English teacher and former English major, this scratches my I miss college classes itch, but is more fun. That is so sweet. We have the best listeners. They're the Every sweetest. time I open our app in my podcast player, I get a little bit teary because of all the nice things that you all write. So thank you so much, M. Silk Wolf, for that lovely review and to all of you who have left reviews for us. Yeah, you're the sweetest and the nerdiest. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does. These reviews really do help us in terms of moving up the podcast charts, whatever that means, but most importantly, in helping other listeners find novel pairings and knowing that we are expanding and getting into more bookworms earbuds really makes us happy. Yes. So thank you. And in return, we're going to topple your TBRs today. (laughs) Yes, we really are. There are so many good books coming out in the next few months. We had a hard time narrowing this down, but Chelsea and I are each going to talk about 10 of our anticipated spring releases and then pair those with a backlist title that we also enjoyed or hope to read or just think goes really well with this new book. Yeah, I was, and maybe I don't always pay super close attention to the spring season of new releases. I'm paying more attention to summer, but holy cow, there are a ton of really good books coming out this spring. It was hard to choose just 10, but I'm really excited to go over these. And my to-be-read list always expands when we talk about these two because you get to share what you're excited for and why, and I always end up adding a couple of titles. So... I'm really excited. I think we should get right to it. And a note for people is that these are listed in order of release date. So we'll share the release date and then talk about a couple of books that are releasing on that date and then continue as we go. So that's how these are sorted. And as always, we will list every book in the show notes, including affiliate links. 
So if you are pre-ordering or purchasing any of those books, we so appreciate if you use those links because it helps us keep the show running. And it's just a nice way for you to keep track of your to-be-read list then when you pre-order and they show up at your house. (laughs) Absolutely. And pre-ordering is so helpful for authors too. So you're helping us, you're helping authors, and you're helping yourself by making sure you're going to be rolling in good books for the rest of the season. Sarah, we are starting with books that release on March 2nd, and I'm really excited to hear about the first title that you're looking forward to. The title I am going to talk about today is Infinite Country by Patricia Engel, and this book is takes place between Columbia and Houston, and it is about a young woman who it finds herself imprisoned in Bogota and needs to escape that situation. There's a love story. There's immigration. There is family drama or at least intensity. I've heard that this book is fantastic. It's out from Avid Reader Press and everyone I know who's gotten an early copy loves it. It's being described as urgent and lyrical, which are two words that are just music to my ears as a reader. And the cover is gorgeous. So I am extremely excited about Infinite Country. And I think it would pair really well with Fibre Tropical by Juliana Delgado Lapero, which is on the Aspen Words long list. It came out in 2020. And it is also about a family who immigrates to the U.S. from Colombia and formerly lived in Bogota. And so I think some of the descriptions and setting will probably be reminiscent, but are going to be, I think, two very different immigration narratives. And so I think they'd be really enjoyable to pair together. Ooh, that sounds really good. What is your first book you're excited about? My March 2nd book that I'm really looking forward to is What's Mine and Yours by Naima Coster. And I'm really excited about this. It also has a beautiful cover. Look, that's a selling point for me, if especially if I'm going to have it on my shelf or take a pretty <laughs> picture of it. I love a beautiful cover. And this sounds like a sweeping intergenerational saga, and I really like those. And it is specifically about race in the school system and integration. And this is something that I've been you know, invested in and interested in for years. And I'm really excited to read a fiction novel about it. It sounds to me like it would pair really well with the Nice White Parents podcast. We've got a family led by Jade, an ambitious mother who really wants her young Black son to succeed. And so she, you know, operates her parenting and schooling styles around that. And then we also have Lacey, who is a white woman, and she is really determined that her half-Latina daughters are treated and are seen as exclusively white. And she navigates motherhood and schooling in a different way. And these families intersect and collide. And I just think that this sounds so good. So like I said, the Nice White Parents podcast sounds like it would be an excellent pairing. But then a couple of books that this made me think of, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, particularly because of the intergenerational relations 
And just the difference in parenting styles is also a big theme in The Vanishing Half and the choices that you make as a parent. And then I also thought of one of our recent books that we talked about on the podcast, There is Confusion by Jesse Redmond Fawcett, just because it is an intergenerational family story about ambition and how we navigate in the world based on our race. And it just sounds like there are a lot of themes that would connect with that classic. And what's mine and yours just sounds like it could be a potential classic. It sounds really good. So I'm really excited for that one releasing on March 2nd. All right. Now we have a few books coming out March 9th. One that I am really excited about is Brood by Jackie Polzin. I know Annie B. Jones, the owner of the bookshelf in Thomasville, read and really loved this book. It's being compared to two of my favorite authors, Jenny Offal and Elizabeth Strout, and that makes me very excited. This is a book about a woman and her husband and the chickens, the brood of chickens that they tend to. And this book follows the, this woman after she's had a miscarriage and how she kind of turns to caring for her chickens as she grieves and and heals. It takes place in the span of a single year. And I really like books that kind of have a narrow time window. And this seems like it's going to be quite seasonal in how it follows her. There are quite a few books I've noticed coming out in the first half of this year that deal with miscarriage and infertility. And I think that can be triggering for many readers. But I'm also really glad to see more of these stories showing up in, in literature. And so I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So this book just sounds absolutely wonderful. I thought it would pair well with my Antonia because of the seasonal element. And I really like books that kind of look at grief through seasons and, and comparing that to the natural seasons of nature and kind of what we're dealing with around us. I also thought it would pair well because of the chickens with Barn 8 by Deb Olin Unsforth. And I really liked Barn 8. It's a satirical book about extremist animal rights advocates stealing chickens from industrial farms to save their lives. <laughs> and so the tone is going to be wildly different from Brood. But Barn 8's protagonist is dealing with the loss of her mother. And so there's still that element of grief and healing that I think would thematically pair really interestingly with, with Brood. So that is Brood by Jackie Polzin, My Antonia, and Barn 8. Okay, a book that is out on March 9th that I'm really excited about and is totally not a topic that I would typically read about, but the way that this is presented sounds like it could be a book that I might really, really love. It's The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space Time, and Dreams Deferred by Shonda Prescott Weinstein. And this sounds fascinating. So I'm going to have to read a little bit from the blurb so that I get some of these terms right. But in this book, Dr. Shonda Prescott Weinstein, who is a physicist, talks about her love 
for physics, including particle physics, the physics of melanin in the skin, the latest theories of dark matter, and she puts a spin on it that connects history, politics, and Star Trek to what she does as a physicist. I'm always interested in sort of surprising connections across disciplines or genres, and so this just sounds fascinating. She is also fewer, one of fewer than 100 Black American women to earn a PhD from a department of physics. And her sort of vision of the world and of physics and the cosmos is grounded in Black feminist traditions. And I need to know how. I am not a scientist. I don't care about physics, but I need to know how her identity informs her work because it just sounds so intriguing to me. So she also talks about how science, like any field, is you know totally rife with racism and sexism and other dehumanizing systems. And she basically presents a way for us to approach science and sort of have this belief that society is about us having this fundamental right to know what's going on in our world. And science can be a part of that. And science can be a way to bring us together in that. So this sounds so good. And I honestly, if we hadn't done this episode, it probably never would have crossed my desk. Because like I said, it's just not a book that I would typically pick up. But I absolutely have to read it. And I think I'm going to pre-order it when we're done recording just to make sure that I get it in my hands because it sounds so good. And I just initially thought that it would pair well with Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse, which is a book that combined science and spirituality in a way that I loved. And it was one of my favorite books of the last year. And it was really contemplative. And I love that kind of writing. And it sounds like the disordered cosmos might be in that vein as well. And then I also thought that Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer might be a good pairing because Kimmerer sort of discusses how her heritage informs her approach to her area of the natural sciences. And so I think that those might make a good pairing for the March 9th release, The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space Time, and Dreams Deferred. All right, I have one more March 9th release that I want to put on your radar. It is The Salt Fields, a novella by Stacey D. Flood. I am I love a novella. So I am here for short books that are doing a lot. And I'm just going to read the back cover description because the copy is so good and just completely hooked me. On the day that Minister Peters boards a train from South Carolina heading north, he has nothing left but ghosts. The ghost of his murdered wife, the ghost of his drowned daughter, the ghosts of his father and his grandmother and the people who disappeared from his town without trace or explanation. In the cramped car, Minister finds himself in close quarters with three passengers also joining the exodus from the south, people seeking a new life whose motives declared or otherwise, will change minister's life with devastating consequences. It just completely hooked me. I love the idea, first of all, of a novella that takes place in a train car with strangers 
who are trying to figure each other out and each other's past and who they really are. It just sounds like the perfect kind of intensity and dramatic urgency that I would love in a novella. So the time period is not specifically said in this copy, but because it's described as the exodus from the South, I'm assuming this is a story that takes place during the Great Migration. So of course I have to pair it with The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, which is the story of three individuals, their experience, leaving the South, looking for better lives, very different people, leaving in different decades, going to different places, and through these stories, Wilkerson tells the whole history of the Great Migration. I also just thought, because of all of the mention of ghosts, I don't know if ghosts are going to be literal or figurative in this book, but I'm also going to throw out Sing Unburied Sing by Jesmyn Ward as a book about race and reckoning with one's past that uses ghosts to do so. So I'm really excited for The Salt Fields, which is coming out March 3rd. I wonder if the novella, I mean, it's they've always been around, right? But I wonder if we're going to sort of see that emerge as a really popular format because Sarah Gailey writes a bunch of novellas. It's really common in the romance world to write and produce novellas all the time. And I love them too. I think it's so nice to sit down and it's more than a short story. You feel like you read an entire book in two hours. So I wonder if we'll see more of that. I'm I'm intrigued. All right. I'm super excited about this March 16th release. I'm so glad that you dropped this in the document and I promptly highlighted it <laughs> in the Chelsea <laughs> color because I... I love Shakespeare and I really love these YA anthologies that have been coming out over the last few years. This one is That Way Madness Lies and it's edited by Dahlia Adler. She also edited His Hideous Heart, which is a collection of Edgar Allan Poe retellings. And I listened to that collection on audio. I loved it. So I'm eager to pick up another one of hers. So this is an anthology, which means that Dahlia Adler is collecting a bunch of short stories from other YA authors. And there are a bunch of great ones in here. And what they're doing in That Way Madness Lies is taking Shakespeare's celebrated classics and writing modern day spins and retellings in short story format for teenagers to read. And so I'm really excited. A couple that I'm super excited for, Melissa Basherdust, who wrote Girl Serpent Thorn. Is that the one that you loved? Yes, it is. She's retelling A Winter's Tale. Very excited about that. There are some sonnet retellings in here. And I think that this is going to be so much fun for me to read and then possibly recommend for a lot of my teacher friends. So a couple of other anthologies that I have either read and loved or that are on my radar. I adored The Radical Element by Jessica Spotswood. That is historical fiction, feminist short stories that are all collected in an anthology. 
One that I would like to pick up is All Out, The No Longer Secret Stories of Queer Teens Throughout the Ages, and that's edited by Sandra Mitchell. And another one that sounds really good is Because You Love to Hate Me by Amory, and that one takes a bunch of villain stories and retells them for a YA audience. So I really like these. My students really love when I had students, my students really <laughs> loved anthologies. And I think there's something so satisfying about being able to finish a whole story in a class period or to have a book that you can kind of read over the course of the entire year, but feel like you're getting a new experience every time you open it up. So I highly recommend those. And I'm really looking forward to That Way Madness Lies, edited by Dahlia Adler. I am really looking forward to reading Lolita in the Afterlife on Beauty, Risk, and Reckoning with the Most Indelible and Shocking Novel of the 20th Century. And this is edited by Jenny Minton Quigley. This is another anthology, another collection. This is nonfiction, and it is a bunch of authors, and I'm going to name names in a minute, who are writing about their experience reading Lolita both the first time they encountered this extremely controversial book and how they kind of reckon with it and think about it in terms of 20th century literature and maybe some of the harm it does, but also its craft. And it just sounds really nuanced and really fantastic. Some of the authors who wrote essays for this book include Roxanne Gay, Susan Choi, Alexander Chi, Lauren Groff, Morgan Jerkins, Cheryl Strayed. I mean, this is an all-star cast of writers and readers talking about this really complicated book. And there are lots of things I could pair with this. Obviously, Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov would be the first and most obvious. Reading Lolita in Tehran would be a great pairing with this. A more kind of contemporary Lolita story like Excavation or My Dark Vanessa. Throwing all of those out there, but I also want to put this on your radar, Chelsea. If you haven't read it, Living with Shakespeare is one of my favorite anthologies that is doing something similar. It is asking a bunch of, it asks a bunch of writers, directors, readers, actors to explore their experience with Shakespeare. And I just love that. I love seeing a bunch of different views of an author and a text. And so that's my official pairing for Lolita in the Afterlife. It's Living with Shakespeare. And I believe that's edited by Harold Bloom because Harold Bloom edits everything that has anything to do with Shakespeare. I love the sound of that. And I'm here for all of the literary criticism, especially if it's split up into essays like that by different authors. It sounds so good. All right. We are moving through March here. I have a March 23rd release, and this is a book in translation that I'm really excited about. It is titled, There's No Such Thing as an Easy Job, and it is written by Kikuko Sumura, and it is translated by Polly Barton. And it sounds really good. So it's about a young woman who is feeling really burned out in her job and she wants to find a new one, but she specifically wants a job that is close to home so that she doesn't have a long commute. 
that doesn't require her to read and write and that requires basically as little thinking as possible. She is tired. Her brain is tired. She wants as mindless of a job as possible. And so she goes to an employment agency to find out and then she finds herself in an interesting new job and an interesting position. And so she's basically doing temporary work and she moves from job to job. So she basically just has this point of discovery that maybe she wasn't looking for the easiest job after all, but that there was something else missing from her life. And so this is a book about work and what we sort of call work that uses your brain versus mindless work. What does that even mean? What kind of work is you know, satisfying and fulfilling? What kind of work does society value? And so I thought that this would pair well with another book in translation, Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata, which is also about work and sort of what it means to be a working human and how our jobs define us and what it means to be good at your job. And so I'm excited And I definitely want to read more books in translation this year, so it will feel great to pick up one that's getting a little bit of buzz. So that is, there's no such thing as an easy job. That sounds great. Great pairing, too. I love that. All right. My next anticipated release comes out March 30th, and I emailed the publisher to ask how to pronounce this title and didn't hear back in time. So I don't know if it's Liberty or if it's Liberté with kind of the like French because it does take place partially in Haiti. So apologies to Caitlin Greenidge, the author, for not knowing exactly how this wonderful book is pronounced yet. But this one sounds so good. First of all, it takes place in Reconstruction era Brooklyn. And that, of course, reminds me a bit of There is Confusion, but I haven't read much set really in the heart of Reconstruction. And it is about Liberty Sampson, who is reckoning with what it means to be free. She was born free as a young Black girl, but her family's past kind of, you know, is still affected by American slavery. And she really wants to go to med school and she has this whole envisioned future for herself but while her mother can pass she can't and so her choices are a little bit limited and so she marries a Haitian man and moves to Haiti in the hope that life will be a little bit freer for her there the cover is beautiful. This has been getting such great reviews and so much buzz. It's out from Algonquin, which they put out some of my favorite books every year. I really cannot wait to read this one. And I thought it would pair well with Everything Inside by Edwin Danticat. This is a collection of short stories. Not all of them take place in Haiti. Some take place in Miami or sometimes even unnamed Caribbean islands, but all kind of around the Caribbean. And these stories are are excellent. I have the I've only read a couple in the collection, but I love Danticat's writing. And I think picking up a couple of short stories alongside this new novel by Caitlin Greenidge would be a great pairing. 
Another March 30th release that I'm really looking forward to is Wild Women and the Blues by Denny S. Bryce. And what a title. I was just intrigued by the title, but it's also this gorgeous cover with a beautiful flapper and she's got like a pretty headband on and a emerald green dress. It's just really pretty. So this is billed as Ordinary People meets Chicago the Musical. And it takes place in partly 1925 Jazz Age Chicago and partly 2015. And so we've got alternating plots and timelines. And one timeline follows Honoree, and she is a dancer. She is a sharecropper's daughter, and she wants to work hard, dance the night away, socialize with celebrities, work at this club called Dreamland, and she is incredibly ambitious. And then we have, in 2015, the film student, Sawyer, and he just suffered a really terrible loss, And he arrives at the bedside of 110-year-old Honoree. And so we've got alternating timelines. We're going to see how the links match up because Honoree is doing some research. And this just sounds so delicious and dramatic. And I'm excited for all of the historical details, especially 1920s Chicago. And I'm also really excited because... I mean, when I first hear like, oh, this is a historical fiction with dual timelines that go back and forth, I think, oh, well, this is another book about World War II by a white lady. But this is not. This is a book about 1920s Chicago written by a black woman, and I'm really excited to read it. So that is Wild Women and the Blues. And the book that I would like to pair for us to all read in the meantime is a novella. It's a romance novella. It is called Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole, and it takes place at a jazz club in New York, and it's really, really good. I really want more people to read it because I think that Alyssa Cole's historical romance skill is just amazing. I think she's a great writer, period, but I think that the way that she incorporates historical detail into her romances is incredible. And this one specifically is really good. And it's usually like two bucks on Kindle. So Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole is a great one to read if you have a free afternoon. All right, Chelsea, before we get into more of these new releases, let's take a little break to talk about our favorite audiobook company, Libro FM. What do you have in your Libro queue right now? I've been listening to The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins, which you read recently. I think we've probably talked about it as a recent listen on the podcast already. And it's fine. <laughs> I, here's the deal. I will listen or read any retelling that you put in front of me. And so I saw that this is a Jane Eyre retelling. It's a thriller. I'm glad that I'm listening to it because it's definitely like keeping me interested. But I don't know that I would love it on paper, which, hey, that is why. You have an audiobook subscription and you keep keep it going so that you always have an audiobook to listen to because sometimes you just want a good distracting story while you're chopping vegetables for dinner. So uh, that's what I'm listening to right now. What about you, Sarah? I am listening to Culture Warlords by Talia Lavin. It is heavy, but so good 
and well done and important. It's about internet hate groups and Lavin infiltrates them and learns, you know, how these groups form and who's on the other side of these computer screens. It's a really heavy listen, but I appreciate it on audio because it's easy to pick up and put down, listen to in shorter chunks. I keep pausing it to tell my husband about what I'm learning and it's just really exceptional. And then I think I'm going to follow that with Here For It, which you recommended by our Eric Thomas, because I'm going to need something with a little levity after, and I'm excited for that. So if you want to join us in our little mini audiobook club where we talk about what audiobooks we're listening to, you can get a Libro FM subscription and get two audiobooks for the price of one with the code novel pairings at checkout. And we will put links to all of that in the show notes so that you can just click the link and go and get your audiobook subscription right away. Let's get back into these anticipated new releases. I talked about Helen Oyeyemi in our fairy tale retellings episode. And one thing I did not mention was how incredibly prolific she is, especially for someone who writes pretty dense literary fiction. You don't typically see books coming out as frequently as Helen Oyeyemi is able to put them out. And she has a new one coming on April 6th. It is called Pieces, Peace Like the Opposite of War, plural. And it is a book about, her characters always have the best names, Otto and Xavier. Otto and Xavier, who are in love, and when they declare their love, they are gifted by one of their aunts a trip to go on a sleeper train voyage in order to kind of mark their official relationship and help them get away for a little bit. With Helen Oyeyemi, I think it's best not to even say anything about the plot. There is mystery and intrigue and maybe little touches of, is it magic or is it just something weird going on? And it sounds fantastic. It's being described as spellbinding. And the publisher says that it is about what it means to be really seen by another person. And that sounds like a fascinating theme. I'm going totally out there with my pairing because with Oyeyemi, I think it's kind of impossible to know (laughs) what to pair it with until you read it because the plot is so often not the point. So I'm going with Snowpiercer by Jacques Loeb and Jean-Marc Rochette. Do you know this? graphic novel, Chelsea. I haven't read the graphic novel, but I loved the movie. I loved the movie too. And then I've only read the first installment of the graphic novel, but it is excellent. It's set on a train. That's why I'm picking it because- (laughs) And it's weird. And it's weird. (laughs) This is my third book I'm talking about that's set on a train. I wonder what that (laughs) is about. Um, Yeah. So I think the weirdness, the train setting, the claustrophobic, the the claustrophobic feel, the what is really going on here is going to pair well with Pieces by Helen Oyeyemi. I think Snowpiercer is Chris Evans' best movie. I agree. Yeah, and it's directed by Bong Joon-ho, who also directed and then won the Oscar for Parasite. And one thing I did not know was that Harvey Weinstein, disgraced Harvey Weinstein, 
was one of the producers of Snowpiercer, and he wanted Bong Joon-ho to change it to make it more, I don't know, palatable to Americans and splashy and showy. And Bong Joon-ho refused, and then Harvey Weinstein kind of buried this film and wouldn't give it the marketing money it deserved. And so a great, you know, whatever to Harvey Weinstein would be to download Snowpiercer and just marvel at how great a director Bong Joon-ho is and how great Chris Evans is in this movie. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it's still there, but we'll investigate for the show notes. But I, I do really like that movie. All right. What is your first April release you're excited about? Okay, this one comes out on April 6th, and I think that you're going to get excited about this one, too. It is Gold Diggers by Sanjana Sathian, and I, this is a new author, so I truly apologize. I haven't been able to find any name pronunciations. I will totally alter that, um, as the case may be, but... This book is described as an Indian-American magical realist coming-of-age story spanning two continents, two coasts, and four epochs in razor-sharp and deeply funny prose. And Sathian captures what it is to grow up as a member of a family, of a diaspora, and of the American meritocracy. And I'm sold. That blurb. I'm sold. I'm going to read it. I'm really excited. But um, this takes place in the Bush era Atlanta suburbs. And basically when the blurb said that it's funny, that's what really sold me. But it made me think of one of your favorite books from the last year, Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. I love that book. As you just said, it's one of my favorites from last year. And that pairing sounds fantastic. Ooh, I am very excited about that one. Yeah, just the, the themes of immigration and family the humor aspect. It just sounds like they're really in line with each other. And I am super excited to read Gold Diggers and Interior Chinatown is definitely on my list for this year. So I think when I'm in need of some humor in my reading life, that's what I will be reaching for. So Gold Diggers is out April 6th. I'm only going to talk about this next one for like 30 seconds because this is it. The Gillian Flynn Hogarth Shakespeare retelling of Hamlet is scheduled to come out in April. I mean, Gillian Flynn, love her. Hamlet, great play, obviously. Cannot wait to see how those two merge. The release date right now is April 8th. That's a Thursday, which makes me think it's releasing in the UK. Maybe not here then, but but maybe it will drop at the same time. We're going to have to wait and see. Literally nothing is known about this book except it is on the publishing schedule for April 8th, and I cannot wait. And this just pairs well with, I mean, if you want to revisit Hamlet, more power to you. But anything in the Hogarth Shakespeare project would be great to revisit before then. There is an Ann Tyler retelling of The Taming of the Shrew. There's a Joe Nesbo retelling of Macbeth. Jeanette Winterson retells The Winter's Tale. There is just some really great stuff in that series. And I can't wait to see Gillian Flynn's edition. I'm really pumped for that one. I'm like trying not to get my hopes to just not. I'm sure it will be great. Well, she hasn't published anything since Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. So it's been almost 10 years. I'm just worried it's not actually going to come out. 
in April. So listeners, we will keep you updated about that. Yeah, that sounds like one that could be easily pushed and maybe should be pushed to the fall. Mm. I guess if it's a thriller, though, so it depends how they're going to market it. Are they going to lean into Shakespeare? Probably not with with Gillian Flynn, because her audience is like women who read domestic thrillers. So maybe summer is the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it's going to be pretty thrillery, but we will have to see. I mean, yeah, I just can't wait. Okay, I have a couple of books up next in April that just landed in my NetGalley queue. So I'm very excited to be able to report back on these as early as possible. I will try to get to them soon. The first one is Hannah Khan Carries On by Uzma Jalaluddin. And she is the author of Aisha at Last, which is a Pride and Prejudice retelling set in Toronto. And I loved Aisha at last. I thought it was a really great retelling. So Hannah Khan comes out on April 13th and it is billed as a rom-com for fans of You've Got Mail. And it's set in competing halal restaurants. So it sounds like so much fun. And it's about Hannah and she waitresses part-time at her family's halal restaurant which is also a poutine restaurant. It's like a fun Canadian twist on their their cuisine. I think it sounds so fun. But she, her dream is to be a radio storyteller. And so she basically pours out all of her ideas and her thoughts and dreams into a podcast. And she forms a relationship with one of the listeners. But she doesn't exactly know who he is. Well, turns out the listener is a competitor and he's Aiden and he is the young owner of a rival restaurant. They kind of know each other, but of course there's like that secret element. So that's where the sort of you've got mail comes in to play. And it just sounds really good. I trust this author to write sort of, you know, touchingly sweet, a little bit of humor, but really poignant love stories And I'm just really excited about this book. I think that, of course, it would pair well with Tweet Cute by Emma Lord, which is a You've Got Mail retelling that is about family restaurants competing. And I think that if the sort of secret communication aspect is what you love about You've Got Mail rather than the competition, Attachments by Rainbow Rowell is a book I really, really liked. It's been a long time since I've read it. And so I'm crossing my fingers that it holds up, but it's all about falling in love through email correspondence and it's just really cute. So I'm very excited to meet Hannah Khan on April 13th, or maybe, you know, maybe I'll read it earlier since it's in NetGalley. I was so, that was an approval I was so excited about. That's so exciting. I'm really eager to hear your thoughts. And then I have another book that just dropped into my NetGalley queue. This one is out on April 27th. It is Meet Me in Another Life by Katrina Self or Selfie. I think that she, her name is, I think that might be Gaelic. So pretty sure it's Katrina Self or Selfie. And this book, our friend Ellen, she is on Bookstagram at Reading the End. And she has been shouting about her love for this book 
for the last few weeks. She got an early copy of it and she just absolutely loved it. And so I'm really excited to pick it up. Meet Me in Another Life is sort of, it defies genre. And any book that mixes genre to me is an automatic, I'm going to check it out because I just love that. So we've got a mix of part kind of fantasy, mystery. It's really hard to categorize, but it's got magic and romance and angst. And it's basically about these two people, Thora and Santi, and they meet as students in a foreign city and they bond. But then Santi is killed in an accident. Thora is devastated, but then they meet again. And then they meet again. And then they meet again. So there's something unique happening here. And so I just am really intrigued by this, especially because of Ellen singing its praises. She said it's a five-star book. It's one of her favorites of the year. So I'm just intrigued. But it sounds like if you like the sort of reincarnation, different parallel lives intersecting kind of thing, that in the meantime, you could read Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. You could read Reincarnation Blues by Michael Poor, or it also kind of sounds like The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab could work here, especially because I've heard about Schwab's recent book that it sort of defies genre as well. She's doing a lot of genre mashup mixing, and so that fascinates me, and I'm, of course, eager to see authors doing something new and different, so... On April 27th, keep your eyes out for Meet Me in Another Life. Two of my favorite authors both have new books coming out on May 4th. First, Alison Bechdel, who wrote Fun Home and is the originator of The Bechdel Test, has a new book coming out called The Secret to Superhuman Strength. I believe it's a graphic novel. Her Fun Home is, and she's a fabulous illustrator as well as writer. But this is a story about her own kind of fascination and obsession and trip down the rabbit hole of fitness crazes throughout history. So whether that is jazzercise or um, bicycle shorts or just like all of these deep dives into exercise culture. And she weaves in philosophy and references to classic literature and really just paints this whole history of exercise culture and how it shapes us literally and figuratively. And I cannot wait because she is just so observant and thoughtful and meticulous. And this is going to be such an interesting read. It sounds unlike anything else I have ever read. So I couldn't think of a book to pair it with. Although if you haven't read Fun Home, I highly recommend it. But I think it would pair really well with the podcast Maintenance Phase, which deep dives into diet and exercise culture and how everything we know about health and fitness or think we know is wrong and often harmful. So I think that would be a great pairing. I am also super excited on May 4th. One of my favorites, Maggie Shipstead, is releasing a new book called Great Circle. 
Maggie Shipstead is the author of Seating Arrangements and Astonish Me, two books I really loved. She is really good at examining kind of closed cultures, uh, subcultures, and they're almost novels of manners where you really learn about the specific society and the quirks and all of that. Seating arrangements takes place um, at a very wealthy family's wedding. Astonish Me is about ballerinas, so very different. But Great Circle is her first historical fiction novel, and it follows two infants who are rescued from a sinking ocean liner in 1914. Doesn't say Titanic, but I think we have to assume something similar. And then are raised by their uncle in Montana and then go on to be female pilots. And I love a story about a female pilot. I think that is just so interesting to read about. But this book also has a second timeline where a woman named Hadley is cast to play Marion, the female pilot in a biopic. And so we go back and forth between those two timelines. It sounds great. I just trust Maggie Shipstead. She really is a great author in terms of blending literary and commercial fiction. And I thought it would pair really well with Paula McLean's Circling the Sun. They both have circle in the title. Circling the Sun is also about a female pilot. So that is Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Another one on May 4th, another great day in publishing. I'm really excited about this one. It is Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon. Comes out on May 4th, is described as a genre-bending work of gothic fiction. So count me in. And it is about Vern, who at the opening of the book is seven months pregnant and flees the strict religious compound where she was raised and gives birth to twins in the woods and is hunted in these woods. And when she fights back, she discovers some incredible power within herself and a lot of painful changes happen in her body. And so she's determined to protect her family, but she has to confront her past, and also what is waiting for her in the outside world. And what really hooked me about this book is the part of the blurb here that says, here, monsters aren't just individuals, but entire nations. It is a searing seminal book that marks the arrival of a bold, unignorable voice in American fiction. So I just think this book sounds really good. I'm always here for genre bending. And of course, when I think gothic fiction, and I'm thinking about a young woman who's being hunted through the woods and gives birth in the woods. I think Beloved by Toni Morrison. It really sounds like a parallel here. And I'll be surprised if Rivers Solomon doesn't bring up Toni Morrison or Beloved in interviews. I'm curious to see if there's a very specific connection there. And then also a book that I've been thinking about reading, even though I'm not a horror fan, is Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. And 
it's also sort of genre bending and doing some interesting things with genre and fear and connecting that to American history in a unique way. So I think that those books sound like great pairings for this. But when I read Sorrowland by River Solomon, I will give an update. I am very excited, and I am not the only one who is waiting with great anticipation for May 25th when Stacey Abrams' book, While Justice Sleeps, comes out. And Abrams has written nonfiction. She's written romance under a pseudonym, but this is her first political thriller. And it follows a young law clerk who is discovering some things that probably shouldn't be happening the way they are. And it's, I mean, it sounds like a thrillery thriller. And I just cannot wait to read this from Stacey Abrams, who's a fantastic writer and has so much insider knowledge of how the political arena works. I would pair it with political thriller is not my typical genre. But I did read a great one in 2020 called The Coyotes of Carthage by Stephen Wright. This book is about a young Black lobbyist living in Washington, D.C. He formerly had been incarcerated as a juvenile and now, though, is one of D.C.'s top lobbyists. But he is sent kind of as a punishment to work in a small town in South Carolina where he is not particularly welcome as a young Black man. And it is so good. There's a mystery there. He's uncovering some shady deals. And he's a great character who you just root for. If you can't wait until May 25th for a great political thriller that's also dealing with some really important topics, you should pick up The Coyotes of Carthage by Stephen Wright. And then definitely add While Justice Sleeps to that pre-order list. I'm thrilled to read that one. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I also really like this trend of romance writers experimenting with some different genres that are still genre fiction because I think that like Alyssa Cole, who's one of my favorites and she wrote a thriller recently, I think that it's harder to write romance than people think. And that the confines of genre fiction, like writing a mystery and thriller or writing a romance novel, that sort of writing within parameters and writing within a pattern takes a certain skill set. And I'm really excited for these authors who are experimenting in those different genres with that skill set. So sounds so good. Okay, a May 25th book that I'm super excited about is The Gunkle by Stephen Raleigh. And it sounds so, it has the most charming cover and it sounds really cute and and definitely poignant, like it might be a book that makes you laugh and also tear up a little bit. So The Gunkle is about Patrick, or he, as he's known by his niece and his nephew, gay uncle Patrick, Gup for short. He's their gunkle. He's their gay uncle. And he's always loved them. He's loved spending time with them. They come out to visit him in Palm Springs for long visits. But he likes visiting with them because he's kind of a kid himself. And he's not exactly great about the like structured, responsible stuff. And then tragedy strikes and Maisie and Grant, his niece and nephew, lose their mother. And Patrick's brother has a health crisis. 
And so Patrick suddenly takes on the role as guardian, at least temporarily. We don't know for how long. He has no idea what to do. He tries to make some gunkle rules, but he is basically realizing that he can't act like a kid around them and he can't be a kid with them. He has to grow up in order to act as a parental figure. And so it just sounds completely charming. And I I love a book that is funny and also soft and sweet and just strikes some really bittersweet notes. So I'm excited to read that one. And then a couple of other books that are also funny and deal with an adult who encounters sort of interesting children and those children end up shaping their lives. One is Be Frank With Me by Julia Claiborne Johnson. And I really loved that one. It's also a Hollywood setting. So I thought maybe that would work with the sort of Palm Springs flavor of the gunkle. And then Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson might be a good option as well. So The Gunkle by Stephen Raleigh is out on May 25th. All right. One June book because it's out June 1st. And this book is getting a ton of buzz already, especially within the publishing world, is The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. Harris worked in publishing, and her book is set in the publishing industry. The publishing world is infamously and unfortunately extremely white, and Harris is rooting this book in much of her own experience. So it is about a young woman in her 20s who's working as an editorial assistant. Her name is Nella. And she is the only Black employee at her publishing house. And she is desperate for the company to diversify. And then they hire Hazel, who is now the other Black girl at this publishing house. But then Nella starts getting weird kind of threatening notes left on her desk. And she is not sure if... Hazel is the one sending them. Hazel's career kind of takes off and Nella's is a little bit more stagnant and it just sounds great. I mean, it, it's a being billed as a thriller, but one that offers a lot of social commentary. I have just seen rave reviews for this one. And so I think it would pair really well with passing. I mean, the character's name is Nella. And so I have to think that she's thinking of Nella Larson. I'll be curious, as you mentioned, with River Solomon to hear some more interviews and and hear if that's the case. It also sounds like it'd go really well with The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell. And then I think in a different vein, Luster by Raven Leilani. Luster is not a thriller. It's much more literary, but it is very much using genre conventions to offer social commentary. And it also starts with a young Black woman whose career at a publishing house is stagnant. So I just can't wait for the other Black girl. I know I am not the only reader who who really can't wait for this one. Oh yeah, that one's definitely on my pre-order list. I'm very excited. Listeners, if you just can't get enough of this book talk and you need more books on your to-be-read pile because 
We all do. There's no such thing as too many. You can find us on Patreon and join our community of patrons when you join us at patreon.com slash novel pairings. You can get weekly bonus episodes, exclusive classes, and book club style discussions, and a few other behind the scenes fun little perks. So we would love to have you over on Patreon. And if you are loving the podcast, another great way to support the show is by tagging us in your Instagram stories to let everyone know that you're listening. Or of course, as we said early on in the show, write a review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating there. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with our second episode of On Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Until then, we declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything of a book.